get ready to strap on your boots. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode, I have a special guest, Zach Stern, founder of Official, who when I first met, thanks for coming, by the way, to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I noticed his awesome hairstyle. For those of you listening and you can't see it, check out the YouTube video and you'll be able to see his awesome hair, which I mentioned. I used to have something similar when I was younger and I was like, dude, are you like the fourth Jonas brother? Which then he said, you know, there actually are four Jonas brothers. And I'm like, mind blown. I thought there were three Jonas brothers. So <laughs> about the fourth Jonas brother again. So I, I'm not a Jonas brother expert. I just know someone on our team would occasionally send me videos because there is a fourth Jonas brother. I just looked it up. Uh, Frankie Jonas, and he does not like the name, but he goes by the the bonus Jonas. That's what people tend to nickname him, which I can understand why that would be terrible to have to go by your entire life. Dude, that's horrible, the bonus Jonas. I can't, and that can go wrong if you know just change a couple letters yeah. and then. Oh yeah, <laughs> that can go wrong. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming today. I appreciate it. I looked up official. It's pretty cool. I mean, there's a huge saturation over the past decade or even two decades in the dating space. If you looked me up, you'll notice I was the, f- the first video dating app ever created called Instamore back in 2013. Um, I was approached by IAC, Match.com. All the big guns wanted me to have meetings with them. Um, we had 500,000 users at our peak. We had funding. We were in accelerators. We graduated from Techstars. So we did a lot of stuff. And then, of course, it's, we weren't able to raise more money. So we ran out of, of steam and then we had to close shop. And I pivoted to a discovery platform. So now anybody can meet for interests and activities and things like that. I want to know what caused you to, you know, squeeze into a different space of yeah. helping couples stay together versus meeting in the first place. Because uh, as far as I know, I mean, that's what couples therapy is for, right? Yep, exactly. So what made so, you jump into that? It, it was one of those things, kind of hearing your story. You know, I, I did look you up. I know kind of the background, but it was something where there's a ton of dating apps out there and the market is super saturated. Uh, I used to be in venture capital. So in my time in venture, I saw probably a handful of dating apps just by being there. It was one of those things you see kind of the Tinder bumble hinges of the world. And then you have the coffee meets bagel, the Raya, the locks club and all these other ones. But it was something where I always realized there's so many out there that really help you find someone, but there's nothing that helps you keep someone. So I studied finance in undergrad. I studied basic economics and dating apps are kind of broken in their own way where you see the churn rate on a dating app is massive. And the, the problem there is even when the dating app does its job correctly, they still churn. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, there's no one in the space of helping me stay together. And at the same time, I'd much rather bet on the length of the relationship and hope that a couple is my customer forever than hope on my ability to match you and then have you leave. So that's kind of the intro on how I got into the space. And at that same time, I was dating someone long distance and I realized I had a notes tab on my phone. I had another one about kind of her, her family. We had Instagram save folders. We have different maps to try to go places. We had photos shared and there's just this kind of cluster of data, but there was no synthesis of it. So I wanted to create a platform and a social media that actually allowed me to do all this in one place. That's interesting. And the fact that you had that venture capital background kind of gave you the inside scoop to what was out there, what wasn't working, what was working, what investors were passing on, what they were looking for and things like that. Uh, But one thing kind of is still, at least in my mind, a little confusing because of how young you are, right? And and you're in your 20s. So that means you didn't have this lengthy, you know, multiple decade 
frustrating experience that, for example, I had my, my biggest pitch in the world of dating was, and this, I would pitch this in front of thousands of people, was that I spent over $50,000 on, on 10 years worth of dates, right? And it didn't work out for me. So for me, the frustrating part about dating was dating, trying to find that yeah. person to match with. Once I had someone, keeping them wasn't so difficult if, if we were a match, right? Because that's, yeah. to me, that's the, the problem is always going to be, how do you know you're a match with someone? So is your method to figure out how to be together and stay together if you're not really a match or if you are a match and you're having problems? Like that's the part that is still kind of uh, confusing to me. Yeah. So I would say long-term, the answer is yes. Short-term, we're just too young to have that much data and that much kind of availability to tell you, hey, you're not going to be a perfect fit with this person. So it's something where long-term, we're building out guidance, therapy, and other things like that. But one of the things that we realized was, Therapy for my generation and for generations around me has become something that is okay. It used to be taboo. It used to be frowned upon, but it's something that's kind of joked about and talked about more openly now. Couples therapy isn't. Couples therapy, you have a self-selected bias and both people have to recognize I have a problem. And that's not what couples therapy is for. So our goal is to really bring you some of these same tools that you may kind of find in couples therapy, Trojan horse it and show you it as social media because then you don't think anything of it. And we're trying to help you and guide you in your relationship. That's good. I like that, uh, that approach. It's, it's different. And hopefully over the next couple of years, you start to see some success stories come out of it. But let's, uh, let's circle back for a minute. Let's go yeah. back to, um, to uh, young Jonas brother, Zach. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> before the Jonas brothers were a thing. And I want to hear something about when you discovered that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, there had to be a moment when you realized, man, this, this is embedded in my DNA. I need to do this. I'm not really the nine to five kind of guy. What was that day or that moment that you realized it? I, I can do you one better. I can tell you what made me realize that I had to do it. And it was something when I was in high school, I always loved finance. I always loved business. It was one of those things where in seventh grade, we had to do something where we had to pick someone that was influential in the world. And I picked Warren Buffett. And it was the first time anyone kind of picked about it as a seventh grader. So I was always in that space. But in high school, I actually designed uh, and built a prototype for a UVC water, uh, water bottle. So what it would do is as you'd shake the water bottle, it would power magnets and it would clean the water with a UVC 260 nanometer light. Dude, I just saw that on Shark Tank. Last I know. Week. You saw I that? I know. Oh, trust me. And you invented so, this how long ago? My point. So what ended up happening? <laughs> no, I didn't because I was 15 oh, and I was stupid. Oh, and I realized. And I just saw that on Shark Tank. <laughs> I know. You saw the Lark water bottle. And that was yeah. my point. Was I, I did that and then I didn't have the follow through. And at, in all retrospect, I was a young kid. I was 15. I'm still a young kid. Right. But it was something where at that point, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so upset with myself for not following through. And my goal since has been to kind of do regret minimization, Jeff Bezos' famous framework, to really just make sure that on my deathbed, whatever that may be, that I want to do what I want to do. And it was something where I knew that entrepreneurship was something in my blood and that I had to do it. Yeah. And Zach, let me tell you something. I, you know, I, I got twice the age on you and I've had that happen 20 times over. Like I've, I've invented apps or invented products didn't really completely execute on them. And then they came out, right? And I was like, oh, there's that idea I had, or there's that. Look, yep. for, here's a great example. Hinge, Bumble, and Coffee Meets Bagel, and all these other, Match.com, all of them, okay? 
go back to 2013, 14, if any of them even existed, there was no video chat. Nope. I had, video chat, now, I had video chat out. <laughs> now they all have it, right? So I've had, I had, I've had it for eight years, right? So almost a decade. And I actually had the idea in 2004, but there were no cell phones. So I just couldn't really do it yet. Uh, my point is this, is it, it doesn't really matter whether or not you built that water bottle. The fact of the matter is you had the idea and it's validation that somebody else built your idea already and it succeeded and you should feel good about it saying, look, I had that idea. It was a good idea. It shows that I have good ideas and just keep moving forward with ideas. So I really think that's, that's a really cool. So when was the first uh, idea you had? Was that the water bottle or was it, did you have other ideas? Oh no, I I had ideas kind of growing up from from the time I was in kind of middle school and high school. I was lucky where I always grew up with a phone. So I would have a running notes tab on my phone of just different things. I know it was great. It was wonderful. It was something where I was always immersed in. So there, I, I think my first idea that I had and I actually have it on my phone was, I want to say it was bamboo or hemp paper because I realized that hemp and bamboo are two different kind of things that can grow rapidly. And with climate change and everything kind of going on, this was something where it made a lot of sense. Obviously I was like 13, 14, I wasn't going to make any paper, but it was something where it was kind of my first little foray into researching a market and looking at kind of the SWOT analysis and what went well and what wouldn't go well there. And when was the time where you made your first dollar and realized, oh, wait a minute, I can actually make money from my ideas? Oh, Do you remember that? That's a, that's a more tough one. Uh, I, you know, that I don't think so. I would say I've always been negotiating. Uh, a story that my mother tells me is when I was a little kid, like five or six, I tried to negotiate with the doctor out of getting shots. And it was one of those things where ever since then, she knew I was going to be in business. Because I always just tried to find a little loophole out of it. Got it. So your, your, your tactics are more about negotiation and how to get, I guess, the best deal or how to get out of yeah. a deal. And working with venture capital, I guess you've seen a lot about that. Has that helped you in your everyday entrepreneurship life, um, being able to negotiate? And so what, what are some of the challenges that you have faced as an entrepreneur that you've been able to overcome using the skills you've attained over the years? Yeah, all about networking. I would say venture is a very network-driven business. And it was something where I've been able to build my company. I bootstrapped it in the beginning and I was able to find really good people to work with me on it because I had a specific skill set and I was able to grow with them and grow my skill set by doing that. And that was something I learned from venture, whether it was kind of always trying to network and meet interesting people, as well as just talking to anyone because you never know who's going to have that next great idea. That's true. Uh, although with the pandemic now, networking is kind of a thing of the past and uh, it's become, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, net, networking for me yeah. has always been a touchy subject because, uh, you know, again, if you look at my past, you'll see that I was a journalist and I went to a lot of these networking events, flew around the country, around the world, pitching my ideas and things like that, going to big events. And the networking, I got to be honest, didn't really, you know, uh, culminate into anything for me. It never really it never really got me anything of substance. I, f- I felt as though after years of networking that I didn't really find any value from it besides just relationships. And maybe I guess that's really all you can expect from them. I think a lot of entrepreneurs expect to land an investment or land a co-founder or land something. And, and I was naive at the time when I was younger, when I was doing it, I didn't get any of that. It was just more like awareness, brand awareness. So I guess that's yeah. really, you know, now let's say, you know, you're, you're, you're young, but Let's say that you had a time machine okay? Okay. and you can go back to when you made your first big mistake. What was it and how would you avoid it? I don't think I would avoid it. 
I think it was something where what's gotten me to where I am today is the mistakes I've made. So I think I would have probably kept it. I mean, the one that we could talk about was the water bottle or something like that, but it was something where that was wonderful. And if I would have done that, it would have been incredible. But I think I learned a lot and I'm not as naive as I was even then. I'm still young. (laughs) We both know this at this point, Uh, (laughs) but it was something where I don't think I would change it. I think it's something where I learned a lot from every mistake, whether it was the water bottle or even unofficial, we launched too early, but it was something where we found market fit to a degree and we found what people wanted. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. So you recommend entrepreneurs to still to make, make their mistakes, learn from them. Well, what, what do you think about you know, people like me, for example, where I wrote a book and have a course yeah. to specifically help people like you avoid mistakes and save time? I mean, isn't that, isn't that a good idea to like, you know, try to cut out a year's worth of time and $20,000 worth of lost money? A hundred percent. It depends on the mistakes that you're trying to, to avoid. There are mistakes that you can avoid and ones that you can't. And I would say a lot of the ones that you can't are the ones that you learn the most from. And I think in business, a lot of it is really just getting back up after you're kicked down. So that's, that's where I mean by mistakes whether it's learning and actually doing something to avoid a mistake is different. But when you make a mistake, the best thing to do is learn from it. So that's why I have that approach of the previous mistakes that I've made, I'd much rather learn from. If I could have avoided some of them and got the same insights, then I would have done that. But most of them I couldn't have. Right. And I, I tell people, that, you know, when people ask me about failure, when I get interviewed or whatnot, I say, it's not failure. You're just learning how not to do something right? You're learning from your mistakes and you're the next time you, you run a business or you start a platform or a product. Well, I'm not going to do these 10 things because they didn't work. You know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do it this way this time. So you mentioned, you know, getting knocked down. Was there a moment in your, in your, uh, you know, certain amount of, <laughs> certain amount of years that you, you got knocked down, you, you, were, you threw the towel and you were like, I, I can't do this anymore. If, if there was, what got you through it? What was the, the driving force behind picking yourself back up? I mean, I've, I've had that in a lot of things. It's, I've had that in official. It was one of those things where in the early days when things would break and when things wouldn't work, I would just was like, I don't think this is going to work. The night before we launched, I, I called one of my best friends. And actually, no, I texted him, so I still have the text even better. Whoa. And I said, I don't think this is going to work, man. Like, what my goal problem? is like- the problem? I want to hear what the problem- there, was, there wasn't a problem. There was no problem then. It was just, we were a day before launch and I'm like, holy- something's going to go wrong. And it was one of those things where I'm like, no one's going to want to use this. We don't have this big a marketing plan. And I was like, okay, the goal is a hundred people day one and 500 by the end of the week. We were lucky. We went viral on TikTok. We got over 15,000 by the end of the week. Can't beat that kind of a jump. Same thing happened no. to me. Yeah. We got lucky and that's what it was. I've had a lot of luck and I've been really lucky about it. But it's one of those things where there have been plenty of times where I felt kicked down, whether it was investors constantly saying, no, people telling me it isn't a market, people telling me it doesn't make sense, people telling me I don't have a real product. Hearing that time and time again kicks you down, but you kind of just got to remember there's a reason you're doing this and just keep going no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, when I first, you know, saw the website and checked it out, I kind of felt that way just because I come from a dating background for, you know, going on 30 years of dating, right? I mean, I I was in the AOL chat rooms, if you even know what that is. I do. I I had an aim. I was in the AOL chat rooms a long time ago, age, sex, location type of thing. And, um, you know, so I I, I, I guess I felt like, why is it such an emphasis on 
helping people stay together when finding the match is the hard part, especially like you said, these dating apps are broken. That's exactly why me and a lot of other people out there, we have 10 dating apps on our phone because yeah. you've got to use all of them. You can't just Agreed. use one. You got to use them all. I agree so, with you. So, so, so I understand, but I can also start to understand. Look, I, I was with someone who was a pretty good match, but we, I ultimately, we, we both parted ways at one point because we felt like it just wasn't, it's hard to explain, right? So I think that maybe it would be interesting to find out in that case, what would have happened if we had used official? Would it really have worked? Now, now I'm curious to know. Maybe we can talk offline about yeah. what kind of things would have happened to give you some data from a real world perspective of a guy mm -hmm. who's been dating for 30 years and, and, and left someone because it just didn't seem right. Okay. And now you have, you must've had some struggles along the way where maybe a mentor or someone who you looked up to gave you a piece of advice that got you to the point where like, Whoa, next level, you know, big brain thinking. And what was that piece of advice that they gave you that really kind of changed the game for you? Yeah, I would say it was my first advisor, uh, Mike Vorhaus. He is absolutely remarkable. And it was one of those things where I was talking to him about an, an angel investment. And there was no context for official. He wasn't an advisor. It was kind of one of our first times chatting. And he goes to me, what would you do if you weren't an inventor? What would you do if you weren't an angel? And I'm like, well, I have this idea. And then I had deck. At the time, it was called Newell. And I showed it to him. And he's like, you should look into this. And we chatted. And he kind of sat with me and talked with me through it for a while and it was one of those things that really helped me understand everything. And one of the things, one of the first things he says to me was, I really want you to do this, but I really want you to change the name. And I'm like, fine, I will do both of those things for you. <laughs> and in retrospect, he was a hundred percent right. Maybe not on the first one about doing it. We'll see. But on changing the name, it was one of those things where I thought the name was great, but looking back, it was so stupid. Yeah. I, and didn't, I didn't quite get it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it was one of those things where official just made more sense. And after days of just kind of looking at every word in the English and Latin dictionary, eventually you just find it. And that was something that really clicked for us. That's cool. So, he, okay. So it's kind of like when Sean Parker told Mark Zuckerberg, just Facebook, not the Facebook. Yeah, right? exactly. Not, not the <laughs> Facebook. Lose Facebook. the, lose the, right. That's cool. So that's good that you're, it's always good to have someone with an outside perspective to, to help you through things and, uh, it's also a lot of fun to be an entrepreneur, right? I mean, what, what do you find to be the perks and advantages to being an entrepreneur versus working in the venture capital world? I mean, I can make my own schedule, which is wonderful. Like it's one of those things where I'm healthier than I've ever been. I wake up in the mornings normally. So I actually threw out my back last week. So I'm not right now, but how did you do that? You, I know you I, I'm young age, man. I know <laughs> what is going but on it's, here. It was one of those things where I work out six, I work out seven times a week, six days a week. So I'm now healthier. I'm cooking for myself every meal. I'm doing all these things because I have the time to. And I think a lot of the peers that I have in finance can't do those things. And it's something that I think for my mental health and for my mental stability is something that's great. Uh, on the flip side of that, the fear and the holy crap moments are a lot. And those are hard to deal with, but it's one of those things you just got to take it day by day. That's, you know, again, it's, it's shocking to me that you're able to do this at 23 years old, you said, right? Yeah, 23. I, I mean, you know, at 23 years old, I was working at IBM. I was, a, I was a tech support guy. I was doing IT, you know, networking for God knows how much longer after that. And I didn't venture out into entrepreneurship full time until 2005. So that's, you know, I was still, I was probably just about turning 
30 or, or 29. So you did it early and I'm surprised. And not only that, what you just said about mental health and cooking for yourself and exercising every day, you sound like me being an older person, right? That's what I do. I cook, I, I exercise every day. I have day. a few gray hairs. You'd be surprised. I don't see any, but I, I you, you know. Can, I, there. I, I promise. Well, that's, that's a, welcome to the world of entrepreneurship, my friend. Uh, it causes Thank a lot you. of stress. Okay. Cause a lot of stress. You're going to lose night's sleep. You're going to, you're not going to be, when you wake up in the morning and it's just stuck in your head, right? Like the ideas that are flowing through your mind. And so besides, you know, cooking and, and, and working out and all these things, you have to detach yourself from the business. I have not been able to do that. Well, That's something that I'm still learning in all honesty. So look, <clears throat> we're going to, we're going to get real here for a minute. I've done the 15, 16 hour days as an entrepreneur running tech startups. I've had investors breathing down my neck. I've had 500,000 users emailing and texting all day long, servers crashing, updates happening, news, you know, reporters contacting me for interviews, whatever. And I got burned out. Part of the reason why I think my company uh, closed down the, the dating app is because of that. Uh, yeah, we ran out of money, but also we, we were tired, man. I mean, so I think this is a, a lesson to be learned for you and for a lot of entrepreneurs out there. You're going to need to start to detach yourself from the business on a daily basis. You really do. And one of the techniques that I've used over the years slowly is, I don't want to sound like a guru Zen guy or whatever, but meditation for 10 minutes a day, a little bit of yoga, go to the park where there's trees and just go for a walk, listening to music, just get away from the computers, get away from your co-founders, get away from, you know, everything that you can for like 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day, because if you don't, you are going to get burned out. So it's super important. Now I want to get you a plug for anything that you have out there for people that are listening who may want to, check out what you're up to be, you know, whether it's official or whether it's something else, is there anything that you want to talk about that you're doing? Yeah. I'd love people to check out the website, getofficial.co. You know, we're happy to hear any and all opinions, good or bad, the bad ones, especially because those are the ones that help us, you know, grow. Yeah. Feedback is key. I mean, is it a website or a mobile app or both? Uh, so it's a mobile app, the actual app, but the website is getofficial.co and that can lead you right now. We have a wait list up because we have too many people, but that'll lead you to the app and everything in the near future. Cool. All right. I want you to leave our listeners with some words of inspiration, some encouragement, uh, some words of wisdom, something that you may have learned in your long, long life. Yeah. In my long, long life. You you Uh, got about 80 years ahead of you, my friend. (laughs) So get ready. You know, that'd be helpful. That's really helpful. So thank you. But uh, I would say just jump, jump into it. You know, it's one of those things where being so young and I'm lucky I understand kind of my age demographic and what they're looking at, what they're doing really well. And it's something where if I did this 10 years, 15 years down the line, I don't think I would have got it to the same degree. So just getting into it and trying to make a product that you would use if you, if you are the user is kind of one of the best things. And at the same time, you have to trust your instinct and trust the feedback of those around you, because even if you know best, people still know more than you. Well said, man. That was great. Awesome. Hope everyone listening learned a lot from Zach and I today. And uh, thanks again, Zach, for coming. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And as usual, we will see everyone in next week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you learned something in today's episode, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. 
You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org. Don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, on Amazon. And if you want to dive even deeper into the world of entrepreneurship, I suggest you sign up for my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy.com. Also, you can support this podcast by leaving me a positive review and also by visiting patreon.com slash strap on your boots to become a member and get bonus material. See you in next week's episode.